0: Well, we're glad that you decided to be here this morning and uh, if you can find us on Facebook, man, more power to you. Uh, I would love to see that. Um, we're glad that you have taken some time out to be here. Uh, we don't uh, take that for granted. We're honored that you would give a portion of your week and of your Sunday to be here, uh, especially in a series like this. We are in the second week of a series called Shattered and um, it's talking about how do we uh, approach people who have shattered dreams, broken windows in their lives, the, the least, the lost, the forgotten, the people um, who are maybe on the outskirts of our society? And, and those are tough topics for us to struggle with. And uh, I told Brad last week, if you missed, Brad kicked us off last week, uh, if you missed it, uh, I told him when he got done, I said, it was one of my favorite teachings you've ever done, and I hated it. Because it was really hard for me, it forced me to wrestle with some stuff that um, is difficult. Uh, if you missed it last week, what he talked about was how sometimes we don't get involved in other people's lives because uh, you know things are overwhelming or you know the problems are so big, and his main challenge was do for one what you wish you could do for everyone and he challenged us to think through who is our one in our lives, and uh, it really. Forced me to think about some things, and, and we're going to hit another tough topic today. And, and um, a lot of what we're talking about is based on a book that our own Jordan Daniel Chitwood wrote. Yeah, and uh, um, I would also mention—I mentioned first service because she was in here—that the artwork on the front happens to be from my daughter Mary. So, yeah, she's all right. Um, we're not doing the series because Jordan wrote a book. We're doing the series because the topic that he the topics that he's talking about in this book are things that we've been wrestling with that are on our heart and we feel like we need to wrestle with as a church uh, now I would say that um, if you're interested in this book, um, I will tell you that you don't want to read it, but you probably should i mean honestly it's one of those books i didn't necessarily want to read it because of what I was worried that it would force me to have to think about it, and I was right, but you should read it, and um, these books will be available actually at a, a uh, book um, launch, is that what it's called? Yeah, next Sunday night here, uh, next Sunday night here, we'll have a kind of a, a launch of a sell in the book, and all the proceeds will go to an organization called Stripped Love, uh, who works with um, ladies trying to get out and other people trying to get people out of the sex trafficking industry. And so um, if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to do that. But that's uh, we're just kind of wrestling with these hard topics. We're we're looking at areas in our own lives where we need to be pushed to ask some hard questions. And today um, is no different. In fact, I want to start off today letting you know um, I feel very unqualified professionally to teach about this topic. Um, That's why I'm only going to teach from the standpoint of what I see in Scripture and from my own experience, because those are the only two places that I can speak of with any authority. Uh, So there are lots of people who know much more about this topic than I do, um, and I feel very unqualified to talk about it, but I think we have to force ourselves to start the conversation. And uh, So just know that I'm on a journey with you as I walk through this. Um, uh, We were just discussing, there were even some things I said in first service that I wish I could take back and say differently. Um, That's probably going to happen in this service. So just so you know, this is a work in progress, okay? What we're trying to do is to start the conversation and press ourselves to to think about this topic. Um, So that's where we're headed today, and we're going to talk about... Um, an area where as soon as I put the word on the screen, uh, immediately for some of us, there will be some defenses that go up. And we're going to talk today about this area of privilege in our lives. And as soon as I say that word, I know for many of us uh, in this room, we're probably already starting the arguments against why um, this word is being used, especially if you put the word white in front of it. And, you know, we've already got our arguments for why this is not true, it's not real, um, all those things. And here's what I just want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you this morning to keep an open mind. Um, I want to ask you to, to allow God and his spirit to um, really speak to you in a way that may be challenging, it may be hard, um, but be willing to let God speak to you is all I'm asking. Um, because I know this comes with a lot of baggage as we start this, but I, I just want to start with this concept that uh, privilege is something that you may have as a person that gives you an advantage in life over someone else. And the word privilege, the actual definition from the dictionary, dictionary is a right, immunity, or benefit enjoyed only by a person beyond The advantages of most so it's something that you may have an advantage I'm going to use privilege and advantage kind of in the same context today an area where you may have an advantage over some or most other people now we value uh, authenticity here it's one of the core values at crossbridge and we try to be as real as we can from on stage uh, what you see up here is is who we really are and, and what you get. And uh, so I just want to take a moment to be very authentic this morning and kind of uh, talk about we, we feel like tough things are better if we just bring them out in the open and talk about them instead of skirting around the issue. And so uh, I just want to say that this is a topic that I'm teaching for the majority of the people in this room who happen to be probably white, middle class, um, people who own their own homes. Um, You know, those kinds of people, that's who most of us are. Not everybody in this room, and I understand that. Um, But for a lot of us, uh, we are kind of in that group um, that has some of those characteristics, some of those traits. We have jobs. Uh, All of us in this room actually live in the United States, I think, as far as I know. We don't have any um, people who live in in foreign countries here. Uh, So all of us have some privileges, Right, all of us have some advantages. Uh, I was reading um, again this week on some some areas. In one of the people I came across was a a person named Peggy McIntosh who's a scholar at Wellesley College, and she studies this for a living. And this is one of the things she says. But what I believe is that everybody has a combination of unearned advantage an unearned disadvantage in life. Whiteness is just one of the many variables that one can look at, starting with, for example, one's place in birth order, or your body type, or your athletic abilities, or your relationship to written and spoken words, or your parents' place of origin, or your parents' relationship to education and to English or what is projected onto your religious or ethnic background. We are all put ahead and behind by the circumstances of our birth. We all have a combination of both. So what I want you to understand is when I talk about privilege, advantages, disadvantages in our lives, um, I want you to understand that all of us have some of both. Right? I think immediately for those of us who get defensive, one of our first things is, well, everybody's trying to say that I've had life great all my life and I've never had to overcome hardship. Privilege does not mean that you are immune to hardship in your life at all. All of us have some privileges and some disadvantages in our life. Privilege in and of itself is not good or bad. All right, so the purpose of this morning is not to make us feel guilty for the privileges we have. But I am going to push us to be aware of them and to understand that the issue is not whether we have privileges or not. It's what we do with the privileges we have, with the advantages that we've been given. And so I want to start this morning kind of in a scripture in James that will get us going on this topic, that will help us pull out just a couple of principles that I believe are just starting points, just these first steps into this topic. James 1 says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from God. Everything that you have in your life that is good, and good means uh, something that's honorable, something that's worthy. Uh, good and perfect, that word perfect means um, that it's made whole, that it's complete. And if you have areas like that in your life, it may be relationships, it may be uh, for you, it may be a job or a career that you have, it may be your kids or your parents, um, You know, it may be financial things. I don't know what it is, but if you think those things are good, if those are things that you value, the first thing we have to understand is Scripture says those things are gifts from God. They come from God. Now, why is that important? Why is it important for us to start with that foundational belief? Because I think this is one of the hang-ups for many of us um, who struggle with this topic um, because we tend to think that all the good things that we have in our lives are due to what we've put into life to earn those things, that we deserve them, that the job that I have, the family that I have, the house I live in, the area of town I can afford, the schools my kids are in, all of those things I have because I've worked hard for them, and I've earned them, and I've deserved them. And if that is your foundational way to look at society, then the contrary typically is also true. That means when you look at people who don't have the same things that you have, in your mind you automatically go to, what's well, because they didn't work as hard as I did. They don't deserve those things. If they would have just done what I did, their life would have ended up looking like mine. And the problem is that that's not totally true. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be proud of our accomplishments, that you shouldn't work hard, that you shouldn't strive for a better life. I'm not trying to say we should feel guilty about having some privileges and advantages and having good things in our life, But if you start, if your perspective on life is from the perspective of everybody gets what they deserve and if they don't have, it's because they haven't tried hard enough, it's foundationally the wrong perception. Because not everybody has the same advantages or privileges that you may have had. I want to talk about this a little bit about the first time. Um, that I think uh, that I can remember realizing this in my life. And this is going to be a little awkward for me, authenticity again. Uh, my sister is here today, um, and I asked her last night if I could share this, and she said I could. Um, but it's a little weird talking about it when she's in the room. Um, my sister is biracial. We adopted her in our family when she was just a baby. Um, For most of her life, she did not know who her birth parents were. And I had a great childhood growing up. I grew up in a a family that was a stable family, mom and dad, you know, brothers, sisters. Um, You know, I grew up white middle class. I thought, you know, this is the way everybody lived, and we adopted her into the family and uh, she grew up, and it wasn't until later in life that I struggled, or that I realized that she really struggled with a couple of things. One, um, being biracial, meaning what culture do I identify with during those growing up years? Um, you know, the African-American culture or the white culture? She was actually even telling me last night, you know, I'm, I'm too light for the African-American culture, and I'm too dark for the white culture. Where do I fit? She struggled with not knowing her birth parents. And for most of my life, you know, my concept coming from my background and my upbringing was, what's the problem? You've grown up in a loving, middle-class family that has given you all the opportunities that I had that should be enough. Just get over it. And it wasn't until years later that I realized how arrogant that was. Because I would never had to deal with those things in my life. I knew who my birth parents were. I knew that they loved me. They never gave me up. I didn't struggle with what race I fit into going through school. It was very clear for me. never even crossed my mind. And so for me to project onto her that she should just get over it and live the way I was living was very arrogant because I had advantages that she did not. And there are advantages that she could not change in her life. She didn't ask to be born that way. She didn't ask to be adopted. Those were things that were given to her and that she had to learn to struggle with. Over the years, my wife Becky and I have run into more and more of these types of things that have forced us to deal with this question in our lives and how I looked at other people. I want to read to you just a list I asked her to look it over to make sure they were real and you know, these are these are actual things that we've come in contact with in our family w- with other people. And I want you to listen to how Mostly these children have things in their lives that I never had to deal with and honestly growing up didn't even realize existed, if I'm really honest. See, we've run into children in the U.S. who don't speak English. There are people, there are kids that Becky has had in her classroom where their families have moved to the United States for whatever reason, and their kids are required to be in school, so they put them into an English-speaking classroom with everyone else, and they don't speak English, and they're expected to learn and stay up with the rest of the kids. Some Some of them are children in the U.S. who have parents that don't speak English. So when there are issues with a child that they need to deal with, It's very hard to communicate with the parents without having an interpreter there. There are lots of children living in single-family homes. This one blew me away. There are children who switch schools every year or even sometimes more often because their parent starts living with a different boyfriend or girlfriend and it forces them to move to a different school. It's a little hard to make relationships in those forming years when you're constantly jumping from school to school. There are children with ADD and other disabilities whose parents won't allow them to take medication because they're afraid they'll just kind of turn into zombies and they'll lose their personality. And yet they struggle in school because they can't focus because of chemical imbalances in their brains. There are children whose only healthy meals are the ones they get at school. There are small boys, small in stature boys, who are brought up in a culture where your status in the culture is determined by who you can beat up physically. And if you're one of the small ones, you don't know what to do with that. And so you find other ways to try to improve your stature in the eyes of other people. There are girls who grow up in cultures where their status in the community is determined by whose child they have, who got them pregnant. There are children who have to watch their younger kids while their parents work. There are other children who have parents that have mental disabilities. There are fetal alcohol children. There are children who have genetic deficiencies, sometimes due to a parent who was taking drugs or alcohol while they were pregnant. Lots of kids that are adopted into other families and don't know their biological parents. I mean, these are just some of them, and I can tell you all of those are actual things that we've run into in our lives. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, because sometimes we think this is like, yes, that's the big cities, that's the inner cities, that's underdeveloped countries, you know, that's not here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Did you know the number one diverse school, the top... School for Diversity in Indiana and the 12th most diverse school in the country is 10 miles from here. This is happening here. This is our culture. And our thought process, because I used to be this way and sometimes I still default to this, is that we typically talk about this topic when we look at it from the standpoint of adults. And we look at those adults and we think, If we're part of, you know, the culture that I grew up in with the advantages I have, our thought is, why don't they just do what I did, pick themselves up by their bootstraps, work harder, and they have the same opportunities that I did? And I'm telling you, you look at this list, no, they don't. They did not have the same advantages that I did growing up. I actually listed the advantages that I had. I'm a white male, born healthy in the United States, born into a middle-class family. I lived with both parents all my life who loved me and brought me up actually to know Christ. My parents owned a home, I lived there in the same house most of my childhood. I always had a warm place to sleep, sometimes too warm because my dad wouldn't turn the air conditioning on. But, like, that was one of my disadvantages, right? One of, at least one of my parents had a college degree. My family spoke English. I went to the same elementary school, the same middle school all three years, same high school all four years. In fact, because we stayed where we were, I had relationships that started in elementary school that went all the way through high school, and I never worried about where my next meal was coming from. Those are advantages that not everybody has, and it makes a difference. I actually tried to come up with the list of my disadvantages, because, you know, I said we all have advantages and disadvantages, so what were my disadvantages? I had a really hard time, to be honest with you. I came up with one. Um, When I was in elementary school, if you guys, some of you are old enough to remember when International Harvester here in town laid off a bunch of people. My dad was an engineer there and got laid off and for two or three years could not find an engineering job and had to work just odd jobs, um, you know, doing things, whatever he could find to make ends meet. And times were tough. During those times. Now we always had food to eat; that was never an issue. I mean, about as hard as it got, honestly, was we lived on a uh, we had a house with three acres that we had to mow, and um, there was a time during this time where we didn't own a riding lawnmower, so uh, me and my brother and sister had to mow the three acres by hand every week with a push mower. That's about as tough as it got for me. That is not the same as kids, people who grow up having to deal with all these other things in their lives who then become the adults who many times we get frustrated with. Does that make sense? They didn't start out at the same place that I did. I have advantages that they'll never have, that they can't work hard enough to get. Now, does it mean that They can't overcome those things? No, and many people do. But I want us to be forced, most of us in this room have many of those same advantages that I did growing up, and I really want us to be forced with asking the question, do I believe that I have advantages, that I have some privilege? If I believe everything I have is because of how hard I've worked, you'll never have compassion for anyone else. You have to wrestle with that question first. And if you get to the place where you can at least take a step in that direction and say, you know what, there are some things in my life that I, I started off with that other people didn't, then what do you do with it? You know, what's the so what behind it? And the so what is that if you are trying to be a Christ follower in your life, Scripture is pretty clear about what we're supposed to do with our advantages. See, wherever we have advantages, we're to use them for others, not just ourselves. And I want to show you that this is prevalent all throughout Scripture. I want to just kind of go through a bunch of these with you to show you that all throughout Scripture, it tells us those who have have partially so that they can help those who do not. Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Anyone who has two shirts should give to somebody who doesn't have one. So I have to ask myself, do I have two shirts? Well, I've got more than two shirts, right? So scripture tells me if I do, or if I have food, and there's someone who doesn't, then it is probably, it is, not probably, it is my responsibility to share what I have with other people. Now, notice it doesn't say, John doesn't say that it matters how you obtained what you got. It doesn't say, if you worked really hard for it, and you earned your four shirts, Good for you. We'll let you keep three and just give one away. It also doesn't say, you know, this is only directed at the people who have the most, right? Because many times we go, well, so-and-so has got a lot more than, we, than I do. Or this organization is able to take care of that need, so they need to give to other people because they've got more to give than I do. Doesn't qualify that here. It says, do you have two shirts? If you do... It's your responsibility to help those who don't have any. And here's the other piece, and I think, honestly, for me in my life, this was one of my biggest struggles in this journey. It doesn't say that it matters why the person doesn't have a shirt. It doesn't say, well, if they've fallen on hard times and it was beyond their control, then you should give them a shirt. It doesn't say... That, um, you know, well, only give a shirt to a person who deserves to have a shirt. It simply says, if you have and they don't, your responsibility is to help those in need. And that's for all of us. This is all throughout Scripture. 1 Timothy says it this way Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, right there it says again God provides the things that we need and gives us good gifts. It says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, I've talked a lot here about pursuing that life the scripture talks about that is life to the full. And here's another scripture where it's that's being talked about life that is truly life. It basically says if you want to experience a life that is full, a life that is truly life, one of the things you have to understand is that God gives so that we can be generous. It's one of the things he expects from us. It's one of the reasons we have what we have. Luke 12, 48, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The more we have, we have not just for ourselves, but we have more with a responsibility to give more. It's part of what comes with the having. With more advantage, with more privilege comes more responsibility to help those who don't have those same advantages. It's not just even in the area of money or resources, but even in the area of of power, position, or leadership. Matthew talks about it this way, or he recalls what Jesus says. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for for many. If you have a position of authority, if you have a position of influence, part of your responsibility, if you have a position of power to make decisions, power to affect other people's lives, It is not for you alone. You have that so that you can serve others. Just like Jesus, who was the son of God, who had the ultimate authority, and could have used it for himself. He had that right and he had that ability, and yet he laid it down and said, I will use who I am, what I have, to serve other people. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Many of us have advantages that were given to us for the good of other people. And I know for some who have probably been brought up the way I was or, you know, not understanding these things growing up, I, I know some of the pushback because I, I had the same pushback. I really did. You know, I can hear the, we always talk about the yes buts, right? Yeah, I agree with you, but what about this? But what about this? What about these times? And And it usually in this topic refers to, yes, but what about those who take advantage of that? What about those who are lazy? What about those who had second chances, who had these same advantages, and they didn't do anything with them? And I would just tell you this, yes, I understand there are people like that. But I also want to tell you that that pool of people is a lot, lot, lot smaller than you think it is. Most of the people who struggle in this area are not struggling because they're lazy and they had all the same opportunities you did. Are there a few? Sure. But that is not the majority. And I can, this is kind of gut level honest with you. The only people I have ever heard use that argument are people who have never developed relationships with people who didn't have advantages. And that's just the honest truth. I was one of those people for a lot of my life. Is there a time for, you know, for justice instead of mercy? Yes, there is. There's a time for that. And I'm not saying there isn't. But I think for those of us who grew up with more advantages, we tend to want to swing to the justice side many, much more than we do the mercy. And the problem is that everybody's story is different. Everybody's list of advantages and disadvantages is different. There is no one-size-fits-all that you can apply to everybody. It requires us to develop relationships with people, to get involved in the messiness of their lives, and to help them and to help figure out where do I have advantages that I can help someone else who didn't have those same things. And it's one person at a time. It's hard. It's incredibly frustrating sometimes. But from what I see in Scripture, that's what we're called to do. I just want to push you on those two things today. What advantage do you have? What advantages do you have? Something that not everybody else in this world has. And then what are you going to do with that? How are you going to use it? Again, I'm not saying you should feel guilty. I'm not even saying you shouldn't lean into that advantage. As long as you're leaning into it to use it for the good of those who don't have the advantage. Because that's what scripture tells us is our responsibility. Let me pray with you. This morning. God, this is a tough one, and I'm sure this isn't the most elegant um, teaching on this that there could be. And it's not, I don't have all the answers, God. Um, but I hope you hear our hearts this morning. Uh, that we are open to asking the hard questions that we're open to having the conversations, uh, that we're open to softening our hearts to hear other people's stories, to be willing to put our defenses down. And God, I just pray that you would give us the hearts to see people the way you do. God, I want my heart to reflect yours. I want to see people with the love that you have for them. I just pray that you'll take us in that direction and that the conversations will continue uh, even after today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bruce. Next week I will be wrapping up our series, Shattered. And like Bruce mentioned, uh, next Sunday night from 6.15 to 7.30 is the book release party where 100% of the profits will be sent to stripped love, and your whole family is invited. You can stop by for a few minutes, grab a book, or you can hang out. There's going to be free desserts and stuff and whatnot. And so Keegan over here is like, yes, free desserts. That's what I'm talking about. So hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to see you next week. If you are newer visiting with us, we've got a cheesy box for you in the back that we'd love to give you, and then Kim also will give you a hug, whether you want it or not, so.